Uh, this is going to be our final session in our seminar, Contramundum. As you know, we've been dealing with Daniel's life as a master class on faithfulness. But in the midst of exploring that, uh, looking at different approaches to studying the Bible and how that can bring out different insights as a result. Uh, today, we're going to be doing our final session. We may leave a little bit more time for Q&A at the end. Um, but uh, we want you to know that this session is going to be a little bit different. Um, I'll have Callie when she goes into the explanation of our Bible method to do that. But before, we just want to start with a word of prayer. Anything I miss? Okay. Let's pray. Mighty God, everlasting Father, we bow before you in humility and in awe and love and adoration of you. We recognize that your presence is here. And by faith, Lord, we will be able to sense it. We ask, Lord, that in the busyness of this conference, that at least for the next 60 minutes, that we may be able to connect with Jesus in a new way. Amen. And Lord, that we may find ways to explore the word that testifies of him to increase our adoration and service and desire to live for him until he comes. Bless Callie and myself. Give us wisdom as we teach, but above all, Father, uh, may we have left this seminar after five sessions, not only with an inspiration to be faithful to you, but ultimately with tools to continue to explore your word throughout the year in 2024. Uh, this is our prayer, and we offer this prayer from our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so our structure, as some of you know, is very, very simple. <clears throat> we're going to start off with a Bible study method, which today, for this session, we're going to be talking about praying through Scripture. Then we're going to provide some illustrations of what does that look like um, as we teach the method, so that way you can kind of get a practical understanding of, hey, this is how this works. Then we're going to give you time to practice that. And then we're going to discuss some insights from the particular text in Daniel 9, his faithfulness, what does that look like in tandem with our methodology of prayer and ultimately our theme as well. So that's sort of the lay of the land. This is a QR code. If you have not had this from previous sessions, take a picture of it, scan the QR code or go to that URL. Um, this is where you can submit questions throughout the entirety of the seminar. At the end, Callie will be our resident filter make sure no brash, trash, or anything else gets through. And then we will spend the end of our session answering those questions. So you can submit them at any point in time during the seminar. Uh, we welcome them, and hopefully your question will get approved, or we won't run out of time and we'll be able to answer it as well. I'm working on being shorter today, so I'm going to do my best. So let's dive into our method, which is praying through Scripture. So for those of you who have joined us the, yesterday through our different sessions, we had a lot more that were very uh, maybe technical in nature, more detailed, more step-by-step, -step, more you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and you apply it to your lives. Today we're talking about praying through Scripture, which is that that's it. That's, that's the method. You pray through Scripture. That's it. Um, and some, for some of us, maybe this is a bit harder or maybe it's a bit easier 
but it's a lot less step-by-step -step and a lot more reflective, a lot more personal in nature, a lot more relational in nature, a lot less, I found this really cool insight about Jesus and I'm going to post it to all my friends and more I'm connecting with God through this story and through these experiences of people who have gone before me. Mm. So the first thing at the very top, one of those first two words, slow down. Now, one of my, um, I don't know, struggles <laughs> is you just, I kind of like everything to be efficient. I like things to go as quickly as they can. And so it's, it's kind of hard sometimes when the, the injunction is to slow down. It's like, well, isn't there something I can do to speed it up? But in the same way we talked a bit about yesterday is you can't speed up a relationship. You can't speed up a meaningful conversation. What makes it meaningful, what makes it actually have different impacts on our lives is that we just sat and we stayed and we were there and we had our presence in the presence of God. Amen. And so if you're like me and you're into the efficiencies, this one, sorry, we're all going to grow in Jesus together today. Okay, amen, amen. amen. We're all going to grow. <laughs> so the first thing we want to do is take a passage. Passage is ambiguous on purpose, a verse, a chapter, a book. I want to go verse by verse. And the idea is to pray through the verses. And this can take many different forms. It can be about forgiveness. It can be your praise. It can shape your thanksgiving, your adoration, a request. It can give expression to a strong feeling. David's really good about that in Psalms. Or a question you have. Like, I also have this question, Lord. Why do you let the evil prosper? Like, that's a great question. So whatever it is that you're reading of having that inform and shape your prayers. So with that, Sebastian will walk us through an example of how that can look. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. So as you're turning there, keeping in mind that how I would personally pray through this text would be very different than what I'm going to do publicly for obvious reasons, right? Some things are only for Jesus's ears. Amen. Amen. Right. And so God knows the cries that you can't even speak to other people about. So this is not the place, you know, for, you know, Matthew chapter 6, you're trying to pray to be seen by men. Um, so what we're going to do is look at this text, just the first three verses, and we're going to pray through that corporately together and show you exactly what this would look like from different aspects of prayer, whether that's giving praise to God, whether that's giving thanksgiving to God, whether that's confessing, whether that's asking. Okay, you guys ready? Yes, amen? amen. All right, John chapter 13. So typically what you want to do is, obviously you would pray before you start reading, but you also want to read the text, and there's something that is going to speak to you in that text, and you may not know necessarily why, which is what's going to prompt that prayer. So your prayer is coming from the text. We're not imposing anything on the text. Amen. Amen. Right? We're letting the Word of God speak for itself, but we're using that to inform our prayer. So look with me in John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is a moment where many of us, perhaps not all of us, may be a part of the 144,000 who will be translated without seeing death. But there are some of us in this room who will have this moment that Jesus had. 
where our hour will have come, where we know that we are departing out of this world. And God, we're just praying that first and foremost, that you would help us to love those whom you've given to us until the very end. God, we're also thankful that you loved us until the very end. And Lord, we give you praise and honor that when these moments come, you are present. That you hold the hands of the sick and those who may sense that death is near and that they are about to go the way of all the earth. Lord, we also want to ask and request that you would give us the same courage and humility that Jesus had in this moment. That when he knew that he was about to leave this world, his desire was to humble himself and serve and wash his disciples' feet. So Lord, give us that spirit as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are amazed at your ability to keep company with people that will betray you. That you're able to sit down and dine and break bread with someone who has nothing but cruel intentions, greed and selfishness in their heart. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us that same spirit like you. Father, we want to be able to dine with people who we know are going to betray us. But God, we also want to pray for someone who the devil is seeking to put something in their heart. But we pray first for ourselves, Lord, that the devil would find no way and no entrance to put into our hearts any idea of betraying you. You have dined with us. You've come in. You've supped with us. You've blessed our lives. Lord, we are better because of you in your presence. So God, pray, we pray that you would set a barrier around our hearts. We're thankful for the times where the devil tried to put something in our hearts and you were able to uproot it and take it away. And God, we have to confess that sometimes the devil has successfully put it in. And we have not only betrayed you, but hurt other people around us. We ask for your forgiveness for that. And God, we just pray that you would help us to see the devil coming much farther away, to be prepared and ready to watch and pray that we enter not into temptation. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Who knew you could pray through John 13 like that, right? I'll add to that, too, is, you know, sometimes, um, I'm going to make Sebastian feel embarrassed, but it's okay, he's, he'll be fine. Um, I remember when I first met Sebastian, too, I was telling him the other day, I was like, bro, when you pray, I just feel like I'm, like, in the presence of God. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> and it's, it's a gift that, that the Lord has given him. And I, I say that to point out that we're grateful for Sebastian's gifts, and also, it's okay if your prayers don't sound like that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Please um, 
you know, a lot of, I would say a lot of my personal prayers start out with Jesus. I feel super anxious and overwhelmed and I know you're supposed to give me peace, but I don't even know what to talk to you about right now. Like, I don't want to be here. I want to go do, I want to go get something done on my to-do list to make myself feel better. Mm. I don't want to be here, but you asked me to, and so I'm here. That's right. And so a lot of the times where our, our prayers can start rambly, it can start vague, it can start, Jesus, I'm in this random seminar with these two random people <laughs> up front, they're telling <laughs> me to pray through scripture, I see nothing resonating with me in this verse. Can you please open my eyes so I can see something, because I see a whole lot of nothing. Amen. Jesus, can you please show me something right now so I can pray that right now with you? Right? That, that is an honest prayer. And that is how we can pray. And so whether it starts out with Jesus, I don't want to pray, or poetry comes from your mouth instantly by God's grace, wherever you are on the spectrum, right? Like all of this, it's, we're just talking to God. Yep. We're talking to our Father who created us, who loves us, and who deeply desires to minister to us and bless us by his word in a way that maybe we've never had before. Mm-hmm. So I want us to keep that in mind as we go into our time of practice together. So we're going to do Daniel 9 today. This is, um, it's, I would say, a tiny bit easier to pray through because it is most of it is a prayer from Daniel. And so want each of us to slow down through the text um, and pray through the passage verse by verse. The, the room is not the biggest, but it's as big as it is, meaning you're welcome to go to the wall or the corners if you just want a little more space or something. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll just take this time. Uh, Sebastian and I, again, will be walking around. If anyone has any questions, you're also welcome to submit questions at the bottom and take that time. But at this time, I just really want to be able to pray together um, individually to our God. Amen. So hopefully you have Bibles, you don't need pens, you don't need paper for this, just you and God. So you're going to go to Daniel 9, just so you know. Hope you all to, hope you all enjoyed your personal time praying. Um, at this time, Sebastian and I will share a few insights um, on Daniel 9, and Sebastian will also um, lead us through some prayer there. There's three things that I just wanted to bring out that I notice when, when praying through this chapter. Um, the first is that Daniel is very honest about what's going on. <laughs> um, and he says it in many, it's almost like he's saying the same thing in many different ways, right? Of just like, this is what happened, and this is the unfaithfulness, and we did this, we deserve shame, all, all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first thing that I... I always find helpful about praying through scripture is often there are just verses like that's a very honest verse. That's a very honest look at ourselves. And that is the kind of prayers that we want to bring to God, right? We want to come with how we actually are, not who we wish that we were or even who we're trying to be by God's grace. Um, But coming there and, and acknowledging our sin, acknowledging the sin of our community, yes, but even just acknowledging where we're at in our mental headspace. Again, of what I said before, of Lord, I choose to be here, but emotionally I don't want to be here, but please change my heart and help me to, to be here with you in prayer. Amen. A second thing is one of the purposes of praying through Scripture is to inform and change our perception. 
So sometimes we are experiencing a problem, maybe with someone else or with the world or in our relationship with God, and it's in studying scripture that we realize, oh, this is what's actually going on. And so here Daniel is, is talking about what the Jews are experiencing, why they are, and in reading that, if, if I'm experiencing something similar, I can be like, this is, this is why this is happening. Right? This, is, this is the context in which my experience is taking place. And so even a verse I, I mentioned yesterday that I pray a lot of Psalm 141, verse 3, of set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips, is that reminds me that there is a choice that I have in what I say, and it also reminds me that God is able to help me make that choice better, <laughs> to set a guard o- over my mouth and to keep watch over the door of my lips. But he does keep watch. He does notice what I say, and he's able to help me with those things. So when we read through scripture, it's not just, oh, I, I, I found a verse that I agree with. Let me pray that. The purpose of praying through scripture is to come into agreement with God through scripture, right. even if we don't initially start there. Mm. And the third is similar to that, is finding verses that we ask God to make something our experience. In Daniel chapter 9, sometimes when I read this, especially with the context of the the last verse of chapter 8, verse 27, Daniel is overwhelmed by what is happening, what is going to happen, the destruction of his people. That is overwhelming to him, which is why he spends so many verses acknowledging why this is going to happen, how this is overwhelming. But I can read that... And it's like, well, Lord, I don't, I don't really feel that way. Like, but in a, similar, in a similar thing for me is sometimes I'm very, very convicted by something, but then I just kind of go along my merry way. But what I want my experience to be is, Lord, I want to be convicted by something and then to stay there with you until I obey you and walk with you in the way you want me to. That's not my experience right now, Jesus, but I see you gave that experience to Daniel, where this is such a deep-seated reality for him. I want you to give me that experience. Mm -hmm. I don't want to forget all the things you taught me at GYC. I don't want to forget about that convicting conversation. I don't want to forget that time I had devotions, and you laid that burden on my heart to serve you in this way. I don't want to forget that. And so please make it my experience where I remember Make it my experience where I cannot forget the things that you have laid on my heart. I want right. that experience of Daniel. That's right. So all these different ways of, of approaching Scripture and praying through it, be honest. Let Scripture inform your perception of reality, of God, of yourself, and approach Scripture in a way, Jesus, I want you to give me this experience that I can see. Amen. So to compliment, add on to what Callie is saying. Um, The first thing you may notice as you look at Daniel's prayer is the repetition of plural pronouns. So there is not I, but we. But you cannot record and find one sin that Daniel committed in the book of Daniel. But Daniel is like, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. And when you look at the Lord's prayer, when Jesus taught us to pray, he also taught us to say, our father. And Ellen White's commentary and thoughts from the Mount of Blessing is that he who prays only for himself does not pray correctly. If you come to your heavenly father, you say, I just want this blessing for me. I don't care if my brothers and sisters get this blessing. You're coming to God with the wrong spirit. Mm 
So we see that sometimes praying through scripture isn't just about you. It can be about an entire nation. And this goes back to our theme of faithfulness when it's just you. So many times you hear people saying things, we need to pray about this corporately as our, our local church or the broad Seventh-day Adventist church. You hear people talk about, well, no one else is doing this. Well, Daniel's saying, I'm not waiting for other Jews to get on board. Are you following? It is the time. So the second thing is, as Callie talked about being informed by the word, I want to even go a step further, is he was studying prophecy. So for a lot of us, we read the Bible, we study the Bible, but one of the elements that brings revival and a focus on prayer is prophetic timing and understanding where we are and what's happening. Daniel said, I understood by studying Jeremiah that the time was come that his 70 years is up, but we're still not back. And everyone else is like, well, I guess God will bless us eventually. And Daniel's like, no, we still, we were supposed to make our supplication. Just because God prophetically says you're going to receive the latter rain and it will be poured out. No, you need not expect revival or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit except an answer to prayer. It isn't just going to come to you passively like osmosis. Well, as long as I'm walking with Seventh-day Adventists and I attend GYC every year, I'm bound to catch the fire of the Holy Spirit. Incorrect. People were bumping into Jesus all the time and were never healed. There's a difference between casual touch and the touch of faith. And faith is informed by the word of God. So Daniel's prayer was intercessory. So as you pray, don't just think about yourself. Think about your family. Think about your siblings. Think about your local church as you're praying through scripture. The second thing is Daniel came in with intentionality. Look with me in verse 20. It says in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 20, And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, He's telling you, this is what I was doing. Daniel's giving you meta commentary on what was just happening when Gabriel showed up. He's saying, I was confessing my sin and the sin of my people. I was making supplication. So there's an intentionality. You would never go before a king casually. If you've ever been in a country that has a monarch. You would never just roll up to the king and say, oh, I'd like to see the king. Why? Oh, yeah, I just want, I'll figure it out once I get in there. So let me get this straight. You're going to come before the most powerful monarch in the universe, and you don't even know what you're going to ask. This is how we haphazardly go into prayer. So we just bow our heads, and sometimes we just pray because that's what you're supposed to do to start the service. Right? Well, before we start our Vespers, we're just going to have prayer. Why? What are you asking for? The word pray means to ask. But when I ask, we have nothing we actually really feel we need. We're just doing it as a formality. That's not what Daniel's experience is. He came in intentionally. I came to confess because he said, why is it prophetically we're here? The 70 years has passed and nothing has changed. Daniel's conclusion is. We haven't confessed our sin. So you know what? If, even if they don't want to confess, I'm going to confess for us. And I'm going to be faithful even if it's 
Just me. Last but not least, in verse 23 of Daniel chapter 9, I love this. I cannot tell you how much I love this. Verse 23, at the beginning of your supplications, the commandment came forth and I am come to show you for you are greatly beloved. When you, it's crazy to me that Gabriel felt he had to tell Daniel that. But you see, when you're being faithful by yourself, and you're going to God in prayer, and you're standing alone, it can feel as if God does not love you. This is Daniel as an old man. He's been in Babylon like 70 years. And as he's praying and he's saying, Lord, I cannot find one great thing about my life as to why you should hear my prayer. And here is Daniel saying, I'm confessing my sin. I'm pouring out my heart to God. Lord, I'm not perfect. I've messed up in Babylon. I haven't always done everything right. I haven't always followed the protocols. I haven't always been as kind and as loving and as gentle and as generous as I ought to be. And here God, through an angel, is saying, you are greatly beloved. Let me show you how beloved you are at the beginning of your prayer. I need you to understand what the Bible is saying. When the brother bowed his head and said, Heavenly Father, God said, go answer that man's prayer. He hadn't even gotten to the request yet. And Gabriel says in Luke chapter one, I stand in the presence of God. So God didn't request the angel closest to Daniel. Uh, is there an angel in the earth sector? No, no. He turned to the angel right next to him. And Gabriel went from the presence of God to Daniel's shoulder before his prayer was even done. You don't hear what I'm telling you. <laughs> you don't hear what I'm telling you. You are still, Daniel said, while, look at verse 21. While I was speaking in prayer, I'm still in prayer. The angel went from God's presence to my shoulder. And I'm still actually in the prayer. So when we turn to God and you're praying through scripture and you're trying to be faithful by yourself, I need you to understand how greatly beloved you are. The moment you said, Heavenly Father, he already sent the angel. Because you are greatly beloved. So knowing and believing the love that God has for you inspires prayer. That's what pushes you to make bold requests of God because you are beloved, greatly beloved. And while you are still praying, Lord, give me patience. Lord, help me resist this temptation. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to find the money. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay the tuition. Lord, help me to be a better father, a better husband, a better daughter, a better wife. And while you are on your knees, the angel is at your shoulder. I've come to answer your request. And I was caused, look at what it says, verse 21. Whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly. Angels already fly pretty fast. So it must be fast for Gabriel to say it was fast. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ellen White says angels travel at the speed of a blink. That's how fast angels can travel. Faster than the speed of thought. And he was caused to fly swiftly. So how earnest was God to answer Daniel's prayer? And 
God is not a respecter of persons. You are greatly beloved. Knowing and believing that love inspires your prayers. And the angel is there. So when you're trying to be faithful, just you. Just you. Before you even finish speaking, the angel's at your shoulder. Amen. Amen. And that's why I love this. And it's just you. God didn't need you to be with 50 people. Just you was enough to motivate the highest angel in heaven to come to your shoulder. Just you. time we'll spend our last few minutes together answering some of you guys great questions so thank you so much for those do my best to get through them we can do this Sebastian. <laughs> yes we, yes, can, we do can it. okay we amen. Can do it. first question given all of these ways of studying the bible how do you choose which method to use when studying the bible um great question so i'm working on short answers so i'm going to give you a very short answer um I, what I like to do is choose my passage for the week and apply each method, a different method each day. That's what I prefer to do. Now, if you have a lot of time, you know, you're chilling at a cabin or you're chilling on vacation, apply all the methods in one day because you got time. I mean, I've sat down and studied the Bible for six, seven hours before. But again, that's not possible every day. Amen? Right? It's like on your honeymoon. Like, you can't do this all the time. So <laughs> it's great, but this, this is not replicatable. So that's what I would say. I apply different methods, one per day. Wow, look at that. <laughs> I told you, I've been prayed up. <laughs> okay. I'm going to answer two quick questions. One was asking about the playlist, the music that's been playing in the background. Mm -hmm. It's called Peaceful Worship Piano on Spotify. Mm. So there's that. Um, the second is asking about... a. So slide deck, if anybody would like the slides, here's what I'll do. If you want the slides, yeah. email me. That is my email address. Kelly.Buruchara at hey, like, hey, dot com. So if you send me an email and say, hello, Callie, nice to see you. Please send me the slides. I'll do it. She will deliver. I will do it. Yeah, no you're, worries. You're very welcome. Our pleasure. Okay. Back to the other questions. Uh-huh. How do you make significant time to study the Bible when life is so busy? Great question. I like to use, some people call it the Pomodoro approach, where you break up into little bits of pieces your time. So sometimes we want to sit down, you know, and it's kind of like when you're traveling somewhere and you get to your location, you're ready to just kind of put your bags down, change your clothes, put on your nice comfy PJs, sweatpants, right? Lay on your hotel bed and you're like, oh, okay, we're here. That's kind of how we like to study the Bible. But the reality is that's not always possible given life and time. So number one, there's no sin that says you can't do your devotional study in the evening. It doesn't have to be in the morning. Amen. Amen. Unless you know a Bible verse, I don't know. You should pray in the morning, but in terms of study, it doesn't have to be in the morning. And secondly, breaking that up into 10 minutes here and there. This is literally how I get through books as I'm working at my office. I put myself on a timer on my watch. 10, 15 minute increments, I'll work for 15 minutes, have my task, then I repeat the timer and read for 15 minutes. Then 15 minutes, I go back to work. I'm more productive and I was able to knock out two, three chapters of a book. 
I can do the same thing with Bible study. I have a Bible sitting on my desk with a little reader thing in my office. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I'm waking through and I'm going through the two C's or the R's or whatever and just slowly go through it. So little bits of time add up to great amounts of study time. So sometimes that's what you have to do and God understands that and guess what? Ellen White says God can teach you in a moment. How long is a moment? Like this. God can teach you in a moment what would take others a millennium to understand. How do you overcome lack of motivation to study his word on the daily? Two things. Um, the first thing is pray. I talked about that quote from youth instructor June 1st, 1860. You can go to God and ask him for love and interest in the Bible. Mm -hmm. You can do that. So that's one of the first ways to overcome is you can't find that victory on your own. You're sinful, and it's not natural for us to want to study the Bible. It's actually a miracle. It's the working of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Secondly, there is a thing that we call the, 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 the behavioral equation, right? Behavior equals B, right, equals M plus A plus T. Motivation plus ability plus a trigger. So you need something to remind you to do it. Then you have the ability and motivation. When your motivation is low, the task has to be easier in order to get the behavior. So what I usually tell people is when you are not motivated to study the Bible, when I'm not motivated, you know what I tell myself? Sing one song, say one prayer, and read one verse. That's it. That, that, one verse of the song, say one prayer, and read one Bible verse. That'll get you in. Because when you start feeling, man, I got to study, you know, like Catalina, we're talking about perspective switching, all the characters, five minutes, Lord, I ain't going to get nothing out of this. So just break it down. Sometimes it's that simple. One song, one prayer, one verse. And go on. That's my answer. You got something to add to that? I would just add that um, you don't have to have motivation to study the Bible to choose to do it. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Lovingly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I say that just for, for those who, I'm, I'm a very emotionally driven person of like, I want to like want to do something or to do it, but I can't, it's, it's, off, it's not very often to be very frank that I'm like, man, I'm so hyped to study the Bible right now. But by the time <laughs> I leave studying the Bible, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I studied the Bible today. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a very like, after you experience it, that's when you feel like that was the right thing to do. Mm. And so whether you wake up and you just jump out of bed, you can't wait to study the Bible, I envy you. God blessed you with that, and I appreciate that, you know, wish I had that. But you still can make a choice, right? And so it's not like, well, I don't feel motivated, therefore I won't. Um, another thing is like, well, I don't feel like I'm in a spiritual mood, right? What does that even mean, <laughs> honestly? <laughs> what does that mean? And it doesn't but, matter. But I'll say that twice. Like, well, I'm not like in a spiritual place right now. Like, okay, all right, this is getting really new age right now. So just, <laughs> just go study the Bible because we can, we can make those choices, whether it's in the five to ten minutes, three hours, whatever it is. And for me, I found, honestly, studying the Bible is very much like going to the gym. The more often I go to the gym, the more often I study the Bible, the more often I want to do those things. And the less I do them, the less I want to. And so it is a direct relation to, if I haven't studied the Bible for a while, I really don't feel like it. But when I'm studying the Bible every day, I'm like, man, what am I going <laughs> to, where, where is that time in my day where I need to make that happen? Mm. And so many times the way that we create motivation is first we must make a choice. 
and the motivation will come with time. But motivation always comes and goes. True. So there's ways to encourage it and increase it, but it also shouldn't be something we're always reliant on for Bible study or anything. Great point. That's right. Yeah. Do what's right because it's right. That's right. When you pray and something comes up in your mind that is destroying or destructing you in prayer, like things that the enemy is using to destroy us, how do you go back into the praying zone? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, being distracted in your mind is something that naturally is going to happen, right? We have a lot of different factors acting on us. What we hear, what we see, where we are, the temperature in the room when you're praying, how comfortable your knees are, all kinds of things. Your brain is processing True. a lot of stimulus. So it's True. inevitable. Your mind is going to wander and certain things are going to take over. The main thing is you're in the presence of God. You can talk to God about it. Sure so can. sometimes I was in church when I first became an Adventist. I, mean, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but it's okay. You can tell. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. <laughs> it's a safe space. So I first came into church, and you know, I was in an old Caribbean church, and this dude, whenever it was his turn to do intercessory prayer for divine service, you knew it was going to be long. <laughs> and our church had concrete floors. So I used to wonder why these old ladies had all these pillows and all these other things, and now I understood, right? So I'm kneeling. But I was a new believer, right? I mean, I literally was like baptized like a month before this experience. <coughs> and so I'm kneeling down and this man just keeps going. And all of a sudden I'm feeling my knees are in pain. So I'm adjusting, right? Now I'm holding on to the pew. Like, he's still going. I'm in so much pain. So I start rocking back and forth one knee to the other. He's still going. And then I was like, I need to start saying my own prayer. I was like, Jesus, I'm in pain. I need you to give me strength. Because I'm going to stand up. I don't want to continue to pray. I'm in so much pain. No joke. The pain went away. Finished the prayer. I sat down and everybody else was like, Lord, have mercy, right? People, like, the man prayed us all the way to heaven. So, but I was more rejoicing, not that the prayer was over, but because of what I experienced during his prayer while I was praying. So you can talk to God about it right then in the situation. Uh, but I, I never told a lot of people that story because I, I didn't want to embarrass anybody or myself. Now it's an audio verse. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> immortalized. So yes, talk to God in the prayer about it and then keep moving. Absolutely. He can handle it. So we have a few more questions that we can get to with the last few minutes, but also want to open it up. I know not everyone has smartphones or not everyone can use the app, so... Also, live questions are welcome, so if you want to raise your hand, feel free. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Sure. I'll give you a mic so people can hear you. Oh, oh no pressure. But... <laughs> um, so what do you do when it's an intrusive thought that's just, like, so, like, self-destructive? Um, it's just, like, where did that come from? Like, how do, you, how do you deal with that when you don't even want to think those thoughts, but, like, they're there? So recognize that every thought is not your own. Right? Like we read in John 13, the devil puts things in people's hearts, even in Ananias and Sapphira. How has Satan put this in your heart to deceive the Holy Spirit? So the devil can suggest things, and you also have flesh. And the flesh and the spirit wrestle. Right? And so in that moment, when those intrusive, negative, terrible, disgusting, whatever those thoughts are, again, Jesus can handle it. Right? I'm like, Lord, my mind is going all kinds of places. And the recognition is, Lord, I'm here to talk to you. And sometimes you got to remind God, I'm here to talk to you. Can you block out this noise? Yeah. 
listen, the man put Adam to sleep, cut open his rib. He can block your mind. He, he has all control of all neuroscientific activity in your brain. He can shut down waves in your brain, all of that. So we just need to trust God in that very moment. Now, there's other little things that mental health, my wife is a therapist, so there's things you can do practically. But for me, in a prayer situation, like, just talk to God about it and move forward. You don't have to over-focus over on it. If you give it attention, you're giving it free marketing. Yeah. And I'd say it's, again, just that being honest in God's presence of not trying to be like, this is my God self and this is like my real self behind this wall of like mm -hmm. filter True. of being like, Jesus, I'm trying to pray to you about this person. I want to be saved, but I can't think I keep thinking about this weird scene from that weird clip I saw like a year ago. Why is that on my head? Jesus, please take it away. Right. Just being honest versus being like, let me wait till I have holy thoughts and then I'll come into God's presence <laughs> like that. That in itself is a lie of the devil. Right. Because it keeps us away. And so we're like, Jesus, this is where I'm at. I'm sorry this is where I'm at. Please take this thing. Please help me to focus. But this is, this is who I am right now. Absolutely. And Jesus, is, Jesus loves to have us in his presence. Another good hack also is music. Having yeah. music on while you're praying will also help keep certain thoughts out. It actually helps you to focus. Yeah, yeah. Any other live questions? Any other live Come questions? Like yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, obviously you did the devotion first. You, you study, you, you, I'm assuming you try to study to say how much time you're spending in that time. Okay, so the question was balance between devotional uh, worship and study versus like Bible study, and how do you balance that? When do you do it? So for me, first wake up, that's my devotional time. So song, um, sing my song, so I usually block out you know, certain times and I have different ways I approach it. But essentially that is about my day. That's about what I'm dealing with. That's what the things I know I'm going to face in the next 24 hours. But also whatever I'm devotionally kind of going through with God. And as I mentioned, it was the Holy Spirit. So that time is more like what we did today, praying through scripture, praying about the things I'm reading in the spirit of prophecy. And as I'm looking at these things, I'm going to God about me and about the things I need from Jesus. And one of my favorite quotes from education says that most of us, when we fail to experience real communion with God in our devotional time, why? Because we're in too great haste. So she says, we leave Jesus's presence with our burdens. Why? She says, you need to give yourself time to do three things, time to think, time to pray, and time to wait upon God to renew physical, mental, and spiritual power. That's my devotional experience. Study time, balance. Um, like I said, if I'm busy, I'll do the 10, 15 minute thing back and forth between what I have going on for the day. The other piece is I also like to, I believe in planning things in advance. Whatever you put first is usually what you get done. Everything else works around that. So if I put that in my day, this is my study time. And then people are like, oh, can you meet at 3.30? I can't. It's like I already have a meeting on my schedule. So for me, it's like, all right, you're meeting with the president. You would not reschedule a meeting with the president if you had one. So for me, I have a meeting with the king. I'm not rescheduling that for anything. So my kid is like, Papa, I want you to play. Da, da, da. I love you, son. But I have a meeting with the king. But after that, I'm more than happy to come play. So that applies to everyone in life. So that's typically how you balance. Balance is based on priorities. First things first.
Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I feel like this is a conversation with my wife. So I have to protect my wife's time because my kids will come. And that's just a mother's heart, right? You, you are always thinking about your kids. You're always sensitive to where they are emotionally. What I try to encourage my wife with, with this, because I'm not a woman, so I can't understand the full experience of it as a mom. I only know as a father. As a, as a father, my focus to my kids is to teach them discipline, boundaries, and to me, that's a boundary. Your mom needs to have a relationship with Jesus, too, and you are not above Jesus. That's one of the best lessons you can teach your kid. The world does not revolve around you. So, because when you get to the world, you will find out it does not revolve around you. Better to learn it at home than to learn it in a very painful way in the streets, as we say. So, as, as a mother... The way to not be rude is tell your kids exactly what's happening. And that's why I told my wife, just say, mama's having her time with Jesus. As soon as I'm done, I promise I'll handle your problem. Give them a hug. Give them a kiss. Let them know you hear them. I heard your request. It will be answered. I'm going to have my time. And then I'll come see you. That also sets an example for them. Oh, yeah. So someone's coming in. Hey, I'm having my time with Jesus. And now I hear my kids do the same thing to them, to the, each other, to their siblings. I'm, done. I'm having my time with Jesus. Like, <laughs> hey, man, be a Christian about it. Like, like they're looking as a reason to shut somebody down. <laughs> so in, in this very sense, you still want to be Christian about it, but just narrate to them what's going on. Great question. Absolutely. All right. Our last question. Where is a great place to read in the Bible trying to renew my relationship with God? Hmm. There's two answers to this question. Um, so I'll answer the personal and then I'll answer the, the practical. So the personal answer to that question is whatever parts of the Bible speaks to your immediate situation. When the Bible is relevant, you will experience revival for sure. So if you out here wilding out in the streets and the Bible is like no fornicator, know this and this will enter the kingdom, you're like, oh, he's talking to you. When you're overwhelmed and your life is burdened and heavy laden, he says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, Jesus, I need that rest. For sure, the Bible is speaking to you. So number one, use the part of the Bible that speaks to your current everyday experience. The broader answer to this question is you have to get back to the person of Jesus. Jesus came to the, the Pharisees and he said, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of who? Of me. You know what the next verse says? And you will not come to me that you might have life. See, people miss what Jesus did there. What he was saying was, you're trying to find something in the Bible that's in me. And the Bible is just trying to tell you, go to Jesus. What you're looking for is in Jesus. The Bible is just showing you this is how you get there. So in this very sense, having a personal revival on a personal level, relevance. On a practical level, it's all going to be found in Christ. Everything is there. So 
whatever part of the Bible I recommend the Gospel of John, that's what my usual recommendation is, because it's one-on-one -on -one encounters with Jesus, it's personal, and it's all about him. And to me, John just does a great job of showing so many dimensions of Christ. I mean, he's like at a wedding, celebrating, then he's like flipping tables, then he's like, you are of your father the devil. I'm like, wow, okay, bro, like, Jesus, he's all over the place. He's rebuking kings, governors, like, I'm like, okay, this Jesus, he's a different type of character. So to me, John does the best job. But again, just taking time to recognize how do I get to this text to Jesus? You will experience revival because in him is life. Well, thank you all for your questions. And thank you so much for studying the Bible with us. If you would stand and we'll close with prayer. All right, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for how you've been with us these five sessions. Thank you, God, for using Callie and I in spite of ourselves and somehow blessing some life with something that you impressed us to say. God, we don't want to be those who are just hearers of your word and not doers. We don't want to forget what manner of person we are in the mirror that you've shown us session after session. So, Lord, help us to be doers of these words. Help us to use these things to share, to teach others, to pass them on. And ultimately, help us to be faithful. Faithful when we are anonymous, when no one's watching. Faithful when everyone is watching and public shame is possible. Help us to be faithful in the presence of those who have power and position and influence over us and around us. Help us to be faithful even if it will mean us suffering and it being a reason of fault and attack. And help us to be faithful when it's just us. And as the song says, though no one join me, still I will follow. God, this is our prayer. And we trust that you will help this to be our experience as we offer this prayer from our hearts in Jesus' name. This message was recorded in partnership with AudioBurst, the GYC conference, but if not, in Portland, Oregon. GYC is a supportive ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take sacrificial initiative for Christ and to see Jesus finish the work in this generation. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.